maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello, and welcome to Awesome Etiquette, where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on casual Thanksgiving dinner invitations, saucy knives, who pays for broken gifts, requesting gift cards as payment, and hand-delivering mail. Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment from Emily Post on Turning the Table. For Awesome Etiquette Sustaining members, your extra question of the week is about turning down a Thanksgiving holiday meal invitation. All that coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. And it is a yay day. It is a yay day. We woke up to snow. Not just a little bit of snow. Like... Snow that's been coming down all night and accumulating and laying just this white, fluffy blanket over everything. It's sitting in the trees. It's turning Vermont into a winter wonderland. I can't hear Dan because the song from White Christmas, Snow, 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 is just playing in my head right now. I'm so happy. <laughs> and I'm so glad you're yay day about this because in some ways I looked out the window and I said, I've got to get to work. I don't have snow tires yet. I'm going to be late. It all worked out fine. But it's <laughs> also a, the I, magic of first snow. I was going to say, I also have a low stress day today. I'm doing the podcast and then it takes about three hours to make my hair blonde. So I'm going to go do that this afternoon. <laughs> it was just so beautiful. It's one of my favorite seasonal changes that happens. And yesterday when I came home, I had seen that all of the leaves were really down and we were in stick weather. And I was just like, oh, That's, you know, what happens. And then today, beautiful, fluffy, big snow, too. It was big Charlie Brown snow. It was really gorgeous. And it, in my mind, couldn't be in more perfect timing for my favorite holiday, which is Thanksgiving. I know. It's not what we were planning to talk about today because we have a very important etiquette holiday coming. Let's talk about your favorite holiday. I love Thanksgiving so much. I don't know if it's the foods that get served or if it's the consistency of doing it at my family's house each year. I mean, up until we all started rotating fourth generation houses for the Christmas holiday that we spend together. Christmas had always been in one place and Thanksgiving has always been in one place. I think I've spent three Thanksgivings not in my family's home with my parents and my sister and now her family. And so it's to me, it just it's it's a very comforting, very coming home type holiday. And even as a vegetarian now, I still love all of the the dishes that go with this holiday. It is the quintessential etiquette holiday. It's the day that we celebrate gratitude, thanking other people, and it does It's all have... about a meal, table manners. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's there. You're right. Host guest. I mean, really. And all those things are so comforting. I mean, etiquette at its best is about ease, making other people feel comfortable, and that quality and experience that we share together. And it's a holiday that kind of focuses on that and celebrates it. And there's football and gravy and cranberry sauce. I remember as a kid, and we've talked about this in previous years, it was always for me Halloween with all the candy and then later on Christmas with all the gifts. And my my younger mind kind of skipped over that Thanksgiving just a little bit because it didn't register in quite the same way 
every year I've also found myself enjoying it more and more. It is. Oh, I just, I love it. I really do. There's something very special about that day. So I'm very excited that it is here. I'm hoping that you all are gearing up for a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday this Thursday. It is definitely a time to uh, bring out our etiquette best. And so we encourage you to really be putting consideration, respect, and honesty at the forefront of your actions and to think about redirecting rather than correcting people's behavior. And And um, really bringing that generosity of spirit to your gatherings, whether you're walking into someone else's home and choosing to participate and really both lend a hand and participate as a guest, (laughs) or whether it's welcoming people into your home that maybe weren't expected or maybe brought that extra dish that's, you know, freaking you out a little bit. Um, Try to just always come at it with the more the merrier and no matter what, tomorrow's going to come. So let's make today really great. I couldn't say it any better myself. I will be giving thanks for you, Lizzie Post, this year. Oh, Dan, let's just stop. <laughs> no, no. You can't Is that too do No, that I'm a little bit. Actually, in some ways, it's kind of true. Oh, well, I have um, to give thanks to you, too. This has been such an incredible year for us. And I've. It's just, it's been a crazy year. I can't wait to share all the things that have come out of this year, all the work we've put into it with everyone over the next few months. But thank you. I could not have. I couldn't have done this year without you, cuz. <laughs> Here's to many more. <laughs> oh, you make me blush, dude. <laughs> we have a show to get to. Oh, gosh, I thought we were cut. Yes, okay, we do. Let's get to it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag AwesomeEtiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. And sustaining members, remember to let us know you're a sustaining member. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom, and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to StoryWorth, 
storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Our first question is, is this rude? Dear Lizzie and Dan, please give me your comments on this type of invitation. Hello, Jason. What are you doing for Thanksgiving? Do you have any plans? I think this puts Jason in an awkward position, whether he has plans or not. Thank you kindly. Happy Thanksgiving. A maple leaf and a turkey emoji. Kathleen. Kathleen, a happy Thanksgiving to you as well. I realize I'd misread this question when I first typed my notes. I didn't realize that it was uh, it starts out as this type of invitation. These aren't just casual questions. Kathleen is asking about the way we are starting an invitation here. What and do you think? You keyed on exactly what I was thinking when I read this, which is that as a casual conversation among friends, this is a very reasonable thing. Hey, what are your plans for Thanksgiving? Do you have any plans? What, what are you up to? Yeah. If that's the way you're inviting somebody to do something, to me, I'm wondering how that transition happens. That's not really an invitation. That's a question among friends. I think so, too. And I think that the way you would turn it into an invitation would be to say, hey, Jason, if you don't have plans and would like to, you're welcome to join us for Thanksgiving because it recognizes that maybe Jason does or doesn't have already have plans. And also that maybe the wanting is a part of it, that people choose to come in for an invitation. I think that you're getting close to where the tricky part yeah. of this kind of question comes up that I think that you want to avoid it coming across as a conditional offer. <laughs> well, if you don't have anything else to do or if you are completely at a loss for something to do this year, you're certainly welcome to join Last us. Last resort, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if, if needed, if needed. <laughs> I'm certainly prepared to perform a charitable act and have you over to my house. If we must. It's delicate would be the way I say it's not just tricky it's a little bit delicate I think that you can always invite someone and let them make the decision for themselves whether or not they want to come you don't have to inquire about their situation one of the reasons I was thinking to myself is this a casual conversation Mm because to me that says there's an established relationship you're friends there's a certain rapport trust background together that lets you ask a question like that where I think if it's someone who you don't know as well, maybe that question starts to be a little more loaded in terms of how it might be perceived. If this is just the casual question, it would be fine to then have the casual question turn into an invitation. So if there's no intent behind it at first and you're just wondering what someone's up to and then lo and behold, they have no plans and you want to then in that moment offer, well, you know, if you'd like to, you're more than welcome to come with us. I had no idea you didn't have plans. We would have offered sooner something like that is fine. But the fact that Kathleen is starting this off with, can you comment on this type of invitation? It leads me to believe that people are warming themselves up to asking for the invitation. And it's just not necessary. As a host, you get to just be decisive and outgoing and gregarious with your invitation. So go for it. Kathleen, thank you for giving us the chance to explore this. This is kind of a delicious little nuance within the area of invitations, and we really appreciate it. The point is, what could have been done? What should have been done? Before Jack's disregard for the other fellow's feelings resulted in this. Our next question is about saucy knives. How do you clean a knife while eating? For example, 
I have chicken marsala on my dinner plate and a bread roll with butter on my bread plate, and I'm provided one knife. I cut into my chicken, which gets gravy on my knife, and now I would like to use that knife to butter my bread, but I don't want gravy on my roll. Should I lick the knife? (laughs) Should I wipe the knife on my napkin? Should I scrape my knife on my plate? Thank you so much for an awesome show. It is my favorite podcast, Honeymooner. Honeymooner, thank you so much. Honeymooner is called Honeymooner because this question came with feedback as well. And so that is why Honeymooner with this saucy knife question. So let's answer these questions in (laughs) order. Anyway. Lick the knife? No. Wipe the knife? No. Wipe the knife on your plate? No. A little strange? (laughs) Less, less, Less likely. However, the one that I'm not hearing here that we actually decided to kind of test out at the table the other night, Dan had a trainee who was here doing a business etiquette train the trainer course. And I knew I had placed this question in an upcoming podcast. And I said, oh, what do you guys think of this? And so what I tried doing, because we had only one fork and one knife each, and we did have butter plates and and bread, I took my knife and I I gently wiped anything that was chunky or kind of large that was stuck on it. And very gently, this was not enough to make any kind of scraping noise or to scratch what was there, against the side of my fork, and I did it low and down to the plate. And we all didn't feel too uncomfortable by it. No, and... and I like the way you introduce the idea of something you would maybe do discreetly, that yeah. it's just something you do as you're maybe preparing the bite, and it it kind of disappears into what's happening down on your plate quite naturally anyway. I think I had uh, Brussels sprouts and beets, so I'd, I'd speared some of the food, and then as I had speared it, almost like you're cutting it, wiped a little of the, the gravy off. And then ate the bite. My knife was now clean to use on the butter. Now, my knife would not have been clean enough to take out of a communal butter pot, but it would have been clean enough to use the butter I had already placed on my plate before having used my knife for my own food. You know what I'm trying to get at, Dan's smiling and laughing. I do know what you're trying to get at, and it's such a great example of how as soon as you start really looking at dining etiquette, there are all of these tiny little choices, these little details. For example, this question, cleaning off your knife, that I think we've had versions of it before, but it's it's been a while. But I don't think we've ever done cleaning the knife. I would say you don't want to make a production of it. It doesn't want to look like you're, you know, sharpening, sharpening that knife with that round knife sharpener that comes in the knife set. That I think that could start to just look a little awkward, draw attention to it in a way that you wouldn't like. I also would suggest that it's not a big deal. You can get your server's attention and ask for a second knife if you wanted a knife just to use for your butter for any reason. One, you couldn't get your knife completely clean and you really wanted that bread butter bite. Just bread butter. Don't you feel like that's the moment where so many people who are listening right now just went, oh, that's right. I could just ask for another knife. Like you could. But I bet there are other people listening that are thinking to themselves, boy, that's really demanding. Could you imagine your server? Or now you've got two knives. Where do you place them? (laughs) On your bread plate is the official answer. Blade towards yourself. It is not demanding. It is not being a difficult or troublesome guest at a restaurant to ask for a second knife if you would like one. Honeymooner, whether you try the fresh knife or whether you try cleaning your knife on your fork, the next time you're faced with this dilemma, we hope this answer helps. Up until this minute, Betty has been confident that a person should butter his vegetables with his knife. But now that Betty sees Floyd buttering his with his fork, she isn't certain. She wishes she did know definitely. 
Our next question is titled Disappointing Decoration Deliveries. Greetings, Lizzie and Dan. This is one of my favorite podcasts, and although I've been listening only since April, I devoured the entire back catalog. I've been waiting for the right question to send you. I try to use the consideration, respect, and honesty framework to solve my etiquette queries. However, I think I finally have one worthy of writing about because everyone involved has demonstrated exemplar etiquette. The problem isn't the people, but simply the result of an honest mistake. I apologize in advance for the length of this email, but I want to provide adequate background. In February 2018, I moved back to the U.S. after living in England for three years. Knowing that I was moving back in early 2018, I did not return to the U.S. for Christmas last year. My friend, Emily, invited me to spend time with her family in Belgium over the holidays. I had a wonderful visit. They were so kind and hospitable. If I couldn't be with my own family, theirs was a delightful alternative. When I mentioned my tradition of purchasing Christmas ornaments while traveling as a souvenir, Emily's mother excitedly insisted I take one off of the family tree. Fearing something had been lost in translation, I hastened to explain that I had already purchased an ornament on the trip and our neck kind of steal theirs, but she was not to be deterred. She was so excited to have a guest from another country and loved the idea that one of her ornaments would travel back across the pond with me and have a place on my tree on another continent. Touched by her generosity, I instantly knew I had to send her a Christmas ornament from America next Christmas. Don't worry. In the meantime, I sent a thank you note for hosting me and for the ornament, which even included some rudimentary Flemish thanks to Google Translate. Fast forward to September 2018, when I was in the Emily Post neck of the woods on a camping trip in Burlington. While exploring Church Street, I stopped in a cute little gift shop where they were selling hand-blown Christmas ornaments from a local artist. I delightedly picked out two, a pink one for Emily's mom to match the color scheme of their tree, and a turquoise one for myself so that I could tell her that we have matching ornaments. I had a visit to England scheduled for October, so I figured I could take it with me and deliver it to Emily in person and not risk the glass breaking in the mail. Unfortunately, Emily was away during my visit, so I had to leave the ornament with a mutual friend, Lillian. And here we run into the problem. Lillian texted me today, very distraught, because when bringing the ornament to work to give to Emily, she left it on the bus. She apologized profusely, and I could tell she felt horrible about losing it. She called the bus company to report it missing and offered to pay to replace the ornament and ship it directly to Emily's mom if no one turned it in. Despite my sadness that it was lost, I tried to respond graciously, as this was obviously a simple mistake. So now to my question. Should I let Lillian pay to replace and ship an ornament? My gut reaction was to thank her but decline the offer. But is that the most kind and considerate option? I know that if the tables were turned, I would also feel responsible, and the only way to assuage my guilt would be to pay to replace an item lost. If you think it would be best to allow her to pay, then I have an additional question. What should I let her pay for? It was a hand-blown ornament made by a local artist. I checked the store's website, and they are not available online. Unfortunately, I do not live near Burlington and cannot return to the gift shop. Should I just mail the turquoise ornament I purchased for myself? I picked the pink one for her because the entire tree had a pink color scheme, and the ornament she gave me is pink. Should I find something else like it online, even though it won't be the handcrafted one I picked out especially for her? Emily's mom doesn't know about the ornament, as I meant it to be a surprise, and I imagine she will be happy with anything I send, but I'm at a loss for how to replace the original ornament I was so excited to share. 
Any insights you have to offer would be appreciated. Thank you for reading my very long question and for hosting a podcast that sends so much kindness out to the world. Best wishes, disappointed decorator. Oh, etiquette, gold stars, all, all around. around. I know it really is great. I mean, I, and but it's such a great question because I know that feeling when you've picked out something you really love and want, and there was intent behind it, and the person receiving it has no idea this is coming their way. So technically, you could get away with changing it, but in your own heart, you feel like, oh, this wasn't what I wanted. What would you do, Dan? What, what should what should our friend do? I'm going to do the gift-giving shuffle. Really? I, yes. I'm going to appreciate the offer to pay, but probably decline it because just the mechanisms for doing all that, to me, just feel too complicated. It's not like you could say, oh, go pick this thing up and just drop it off instead, which would be an right. easy way for that person to fix it, but because it's going to require more than that. Because the gift was handmade and purchased while you were on a trip, I'm so glad you were supporting our local artists here in Burlington, Vermont. But we're so sorry that you can't then pick up a new one so easily. I loved this moment in the story where the mother insisted that you take a gift off her tree. To me, that was sort of an inspired little moment. I I, I was even wondering if it was maybe some kind of tradition. It's not something I've ever heard of before. Oh, ooh. what if you sent one from your own tree to her? A good idea, sort of a reciprocal, this is a, an ornament that I've enjoyed for years, might be a way to really personalize it. The The thought of knowing that theme color being your original idea for personalizing that gift or showing some care or attention I think is also very good. Again, because you're going to have to find that and then you don't know what the cost is that's associated with it. And once you've done that, you're going to have to ship it. Again, sending receipts and bills to someone else to pay for that starts to just feel too complicated. I really appreciate that your friend who lost the gift made the offer. Mm -hmm. To me, that's a, a version of the host guest dance that shows people taking care on all sides. There isn't really a rule about how you handle that. That when accidents happen, when mistakes are made, they're by definition outside the expected. They're not what anybody's planning. So they require some creativity, some improvisation in terms of how you deal with them. And those are moments where you get to shine. There's so much good etiquette in this question. I just want to keep going. I also really like the way you're thinking about your friend and saying, you know, if I were in her place, I'd want to be able to do something to make this better. I right. feel bad about having lost this. She will be okay. Yes. Tell her that it's okay, that you're going to handle it, that you appreciated her making the attempt, doing that on your behalf because in some ways she was doing a favor for you and – I think that factors in a little bit to how you're going to say to yourself, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to penalize her. I'm not no, going to yeah. say, Already now you it have doesn't to pay. Sound like that. Yeah. You yeah. could even say thank you for the try. These things happen. Don't feel too bad about it. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to send something. Dan, great answer to that question. I think you have a number of options and you should feel confident that no matter what, the recipient of the gift is going to love the gift you send them. How do you go about being thoughtful? What do you do? Every time I try, I only make things worse. Is there some particular method of being thoughtful that works every time? This question is titled, Payment Preferences. I walk my neighbor's dog when they are on vacation. The neighbor slash friend always gives me a gift and a gift card as payment. 
She has given me gift cards for different places, but has begun to continue with the same place. She gives me a card to TJ Maxx, which I love. However, my one and only credit card gives me bonus points to TJ Maxx and its affiliates. I have lots of credit for this store now. One time she gave me a card for a salon or spa that I love to go to. It is very expensive and is a special treat for me to go there. Is it out of the question to tell her that although I love TJ Maxx, I would prefer a card to the salon? If she was just giving me this as a gift, I would not even consider saying anything. But since it is payment for walking their dog, I wasn't sure if I could say anything. Thank you for taking my question. This is so tough because if it's a gift, you can't really say, well, I wish you'd continually get me a different gift. You can profusely praise how amazing the spa experience was and how that was just probably the best payment you've ever received for doing something like dog walking. And that would be the hint. (laughs) But if it's a payment, that's where I, I start to be like, well, how did you structure this in the beginning? Like, was it, oh, you know, just any old gift card you feel like would be great I struggled with this question the same way you did because (laughs) I found myself wanting to give the etiquette advice that was about having a very indirect conversation. Like you, I focused on (laughs) appreciation or thanks for the gift that you liked, in this case, the salon spa experience. I also thought about maybe talking about how you have all this store credit for TJ Maxx that you get through your – credit card bonus points that you could start to build out either side of that equation to drop the hint. And I was also thinking to myself, (laughs) that sounds so roundabout. Wow, I'm overloaded in TJ Maxx right now. I was imagining myself doing the Lizzie (laughs) Bow sample script and I couldn't find one that actually sounded natural, comfortable, normal, plausible. Like you, I also wanted to be realistic that If you're getting paid to walk somebody's dog or house sit and that payment comes in the form of a gift card, I think in the same way it's fair to have a discussion about how much you're going to be paid Mm -hmm. to do something like that. You could have a discussion about what form that payment took. My rates are changing. Spa cards only, please. Like, is that, I don't think you could, I mean, you could, that's a joke. You can't do that. But, but but you could tell someone that I've, in the past, I've house sat for $10 a day mm-hmm. and I'm really asking – I'm asking 15 now. No, you That's... could do that. That's true. But I'm not sure that you can do – well, in the past, I've house sat for TJ Maxx, but now I'm only house sitting for spas. I wouldn't say <laughs> it like that, but I would maybe say in the past, you've given me a TJ Maxx gift certificate. I get a lot of TJ Maxx store credit because of a uh, – credit card that I use. See, I think that I could really sense. use a different gift card. I loved that spa that you chose the other time. That was such a treat for me. I really appreciated that, that experience. That was good sample scripting, cousin. See, you're better at this than you give yourself credit for. That leans back on the fact that you have a lot of store credit at TJ Maxx, but that is also the reason why this gift card is not as desirable to you because you do have a lot of those points from the credit card you have that gets you points at TJ Maxx. And so I think that it makes sense to use that. I wouldn't try to divorce it from 
the rates changing or the style of payment that you'd like to be getting. But I think in our listener's question and her issue, it that is a huge part of why that TJ Maxx gift card isn't a hooray, yay, the best thing ever type thing. And so I think it makes sense to to actually give the reason and say, you know, I actually have a lot of credit here, just like you said. And the other one was amazing. Or if there's something else that, you know, it feels more right to you, feel free. But I thought I'd let you know. To me, if it's really more of a payment, that's a reasonable discussion to have. And that's a way you might have it. Yeah. If, if it's, it's a gift, no. <laughs> if it's you doing a favor for a neighbor, something that you would do anyway where there's really very little or no expectation for recompense or payment, then I think you say to yourself, boy, TJ Maxx credit I can use very broadly. <laughs> there's Whenever a lot of different things. <laughs> and boy, now I'm going to really wade out into etiquette danger territory. What are you going to say? A, a TJ Maxx gift card could be re-gifted. Oh! There are a lot of things you can do with that kind of a gift card or credit is the the thought that's really running in my mind. And you remind yourself of that and receive that gift well. Anonymous, we hope this helps and we hope that you enjoy the store credit and maybe, maybe another trip to the spa. Mm -hmm. But how did you know? I mean, it's the very one I wanted. Eddie seemed to know what you wanted. He insisted we get that particular one. Our final question is about hand delivering mail. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I love your podcast and greatly appreciate the insights you provide to the world about etiquette and common courtesy. I'm getting married next year. Yay! In parentheses. And my fiancé recently asked if we can just give our close friends their save-the-dates instead of mailing them. My immediate response was, no, that's not proper etiquette. I feel like this would send the message, you aren't worth the 50 cents of postage. I would love your input on if I'm correct in this assumption. Thank you, Brigitte. Brigitte, I would say that I am not quite sure that I have ever looked at a hand-presented invitation and said, ah, you should have spent 50 cents on me. <laughs> like, just saying, like, as the recipient, as the out person sending it out, I could see maybe, like, you're being thoughtful with that thought. But I've never looked at an invitation and thought, oh, this should have been mailed instead. It's funny. I haven't ever had the first thought. Mm -hmm. it, it wouldn't connect to me to the value of the postage. Mm -hmm. But I have had a different second thought of... I like it when things go through the mail. That's different entirely. That's not etiquette. That's preference. <laughs> it's preference, but there's something about the formality of the mail. There's something about that stamp, about it being delivered to your house and showing up that, I don't know, there's this, I've got the word in quotes in my show notes, officialdom, <laughs> that, that adds this flavor of formality so, to something. Someone stamped a date on it that it was processed at XYZ Center. Well, um, uh, I know stamp collectors sometimes yep. look for the postmark yep. on the stamp. There is, And not I know it's not a wax. The save the date card. <laughs> no, it, it's, I was just going to say it's not a wax seal on an envelope, but there is a, a hint of a flavor of that to it. And to me, that's the side of my mind that's saying maybe send it through the mail. May I potentially um, <clears throat> jump you in etiquette, cousin? <laughs> I'm curious where this is about to go. <laughs> I'm just fly right on over your mail scheme here. 
hand-delivered was the utmost level of, like, formality that you could ever have in previous days. I mean, literally, not just sending it through the the generic mail that it all goes through, but hand-delivered to people. Brigitte, just for fun, you could completely play up the act of hand-delivering these save-the-date cards, which save-the-dates aren't even the most formal aspect of this. The invitation is. But it's one of the reasons why I also say for a save-the-date card— NBD, no big deal. Like, you're at the office and you're inviting five people from the office. I would not hand them out at the office, but I would hand them out on a lunch break with those five people from the office. I go to my yoga class. I go to, you know, I'm hanging out with my girlfriend. I might hand it to her. There's nothing wrong with sending them all through the mail. Dan is right. There's a lovely formality to that entire process as well. But I think for a save the date card, it is not rude to hand deliver them. I wouldn't consider it like a a slight on anyone that they weren't worth the 50 cents to do it. It was more, I can personally give this to you and say I'm so excited, you know, invitation to follow. I think there's a personal aspect of it that kicks it up a notch. So you completely won me over. I loved this oh, etiquette yay. history thought of that the, the almost the height of this process of bringing something to someone and delivering it. I was thinking about sort of social calling. And then when you use the example of hand them out at the office, I thought that's the other direction. That's yeah. the, the feeling that I would want to avoid by yes. sending things through the mail. Yep. I so again, this... don't hand them out at the office unless everyone is getting them at the office. As we so often say in etiquette, it's the how that matters. So how you deliver something by hand is part of this equation. And when something's handed out at a yoga class or the office, it's easier to misplace. It's easier to lose track of. I'm thinking about the difference between something that someone hands me like a flyer on the street mm-hmm. versus something that I open or am sorting while I'm sitting at a writing desk at home. Mm-hmm. Because don't we all sit at our writing desks at home and sort our mail? <laughs> Maybe even our great grandmother's writing desk. Do you at really home. like? I have like a basket on my like quasi kitchen table because I don't even have a dining room or anything like that in my house. Like, and it's like filled to the brim with you know Bed Bath and Beyond coupons and everything. I'm just I'm poking holes in your theories here, like, and you're poking them in mine, which I think would lead us to to say that this is something that the two of you, you and your fiance, are going to have to decide between the two of you, but that it is not from an etiquette standpoint a slight to hand deliver it. And there might be some advantages or disadvantages to either way of delivering this save the date, either by hand or by mail. Brigitte, thank you for this question. It gave us a chance to go back and forth a little bit. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text message at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also find us on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette in your post so that we know you want your question or feedback on the show. Each week, we like to hear your thoughts about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Today's feedback begins, Good afternoon, Lizzie and Dan. I feel so strongly about the question about staggered start times for a party that I stopped mid-podcast to write you. To me, that sounds like a terrible idea, at least in the case of overlapping shifts. 
If I were part of the second group and arrived at the proper time only to find that the party was already in full swing because apparently some people had been invited to show up earlier, I would be so insulted. So you wanted to hang out with a smaller group of people at the outset and I wasn't good enough to make the cut for that group? I'm a literal B-lister? You might claim that the second group is going to get its small group hour at the end of the party. But one, obviously people from the first group are going to stay longer than their allotted two hours. So it won't be the same smallness of group that the first shift experienced. And two, regardless of the size, making the second group's private hour the last thing on your to-do list makes me feel like it's your lowest priority. I would feel so awful if I were assigned to that second group. Like I know exactly where I rank in your list of friends and it's in the bottom half. And it would be for no reason. What's the benefit of multiple shifts if you're still going to have two hours of the party where your entire guest list is there? Either invite everyone for the full length of the party or have two parties with entirely separate, non-overlapping start and end times. Whew! Apologies for the rant. But I just get so worked up at the thought of somebody being made to feel excluded or unimportant. I appreciate you both and all the work that you put into sharing your advice with us, and I especially appreciate you answering one of my questions on the sustaining member feed recently. It was a real help. I hope you're having a nice weekend. Best, Faith. Faith, thank you so much for this. This, to me, was the email that was like the moment where someone would be shouting back at us as they're listening to us explore a potential option. Dan and I both agree that we didn't think that the the staggered party times was the best approach for this, just to be clear. We really do think you throw a party that you can you can manage, that can fit your your house and the time frame that you have to work in. Our next piece of feedback begins. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. I was enjoying episode 213 and mulling over no problem. I take no particular umbrage. When I realized that in Spanish, donada is a common form of your welcome, and in French, it's de rien. While maybe not formal terms, they appear to have been in use for several decades, and they're certainly standard enough that I was taught those expressions in school. Both translate literally to of nothing, pretty similar to no problem. Yet, I certainly wouldn't argue that either French or Spanish or speakers of those languages are inherently rude or dismissive. It made me wonder if no problem just needs a little time to become one of the many idioms in English that have an odd literal meaning but are widely recognized in its figurative sense, like by the way, nevertheless, or even you're welcome. You're welcome to do what? (laughs) I'd love to hear your thoughts. Warm regards, Surya. This feedback made me go look something up. Because I had also learned Dorian in French as the appropriate response to thank you. And I'm well aware that it essentially means it's nothing. Mm -hmm. There is a more formal option. There is a you're welcome option in in French. French. There's a a casual, there's a semi-formal and a most formal option, which uses the vous instead of the to form when you're using the more formal. I am looking forward to tackling this exact topic in a future postscript because I think it it bears some exploring and I want to do the research about Spanish as well. But it's exactly the same in these other languages from what I've seen so far as it is in English. And while that it's nothing, it's no problem usage is quite common, I think having that full toolbox, that full range of options at your disposal is important. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text to 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. 
It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today's Postscript comes from Emily's Etiquette, the 1922 edition. That's the original. It is indeed. And I really get a kick out of reading Emily's stuff every now and again. And modern etiquette really tries hard not to openly embarrass. But in Emily's day, she I've actually found a quote where she talks about calling someone out at the table. And it has to do with a uh, a point of formal dining that I wasn't that aware of, which is called the turning of a table. And it's where the host turns from speaking to the people on either their right or left to the person then on the opposite side, and as does every single person in succession around the table. So it's kind of literally the table turns and the conversation now begins anew, and it's what happens when that doesn't go well. So this comes from page 221. It follows through to page 222 with enemies must bury hatchets, and I thought that would be good for Thanksgiving week. The turning of the table is accomplished by the hostess, who merely turns from the gentleman, on her left probably, with whom she has been talking through the soup and the fish course, to the one on her right. As she turns, the lady to whom the right gentleman has been talking turns to the gentleman further on, and in a moment everyone at table is talking to a new neighbor. Sometimes a single couple who have become very much engrossed refuse to change partners, and the whole table is blocked, leaving one lady and one gentleman on either side of the block staring alone at their plates. At this point, the hostess has come to the rescue by attracting the blocking lady's attention and saying, Sally, you cannot talk to Professor Budge any longer. Mr. Smith has been trying his best to attract your attention. With all exclamation points. (laughs) Sally, being in this way brought awake, is obliged to pay attention to Mr. Smith, and Professor Budge, little as he may feel inclined, must turn his attention to the other side. To persist in carrying on their own conversation at the expense of others would be inexcusably rude, not only to their hostess, but to everyone present. At a dinner not long ago, Mr. Kindheart was sitting next to Mrs. Wellborn and left to himself because of the assiduity of the lady's farther partner, slid his own name card across and in front of her to bring her attention to the fact that it was his turn. Enemies must bury hatchets. One inexorable rule of etiquette is that you must talk to your next-door neighbor at a dinner table. You must! That is all there is about it. Even if you are placed next to someone with whom you have had a bitter quarrel, consideration for your hostess, who would be distressed if she knew you had been put in a disagreeable place, and further consideration for the rest of the table, which is otherwise blocked, exacts that you give no outward sign of your repugnance and that you make a pretense, at least for a little while, of talking together. At dinner once, Mrs. Top Lofty, finding herself next to a man she quite openly despised, said to him with apparent placidity, I shall not talk to you because I do not care to you, but for the sake of my hostess, I shall say my multiplication tables. Twice one or two, twice two or four, 
and she continued on through the tables, making him alternate them with her. As soon as she politely could, she turned again to her other companion. Oh, let that not be your Thanksgiving tables this year, my friends, but if you must, recite your multiplication tables. Isn't that just a delicious section, Dan? Emily Post, I feel like I get to know you a little better every time we crack this book open. (laughs) Oh, we hope that your table is filled with lively conversation, little redirection, and many, many, many good bites of food. Uh Uh-oh. This isn't the kind of an ending to the story that Bob had in mind. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms, and today's comes from Amanda. I've been a longtime listener and really enjoyed the podcast. I wanted to give a big etiquette salute to all of my trick-or-treaters this year here in Tucker, Georgia. This is my first time being a trick-or-treating host and having candy, and I live in a little neighborhood. Um, Tucker's just outside of Atlanta with two other adult women, and um, we're in kind of a family neighborhood, but we're obviously kind of an unconventional family with the three of us, and it was such a joy this year to have these little trick-or-treaters come by and play that initial, some of them for the first time, that initial host guest dance I was thinking about, and I really enjoyed all of those, like, exuberant and and happy, happy Halloweens and trick-or-treats and all of the very excited thank yous. Um, It was also very sweet to hear them at the door whispering beforehand of, you push the button, oh, you push the button, or did I knock loud enough, or, and all of that kind of stuff, and I... I just want to thank them so much and thank all of the parents who allow their children to, to participate in this in this process. And this, it's a really good learning experience as well as a lot of fun. And I know we talk a lot about on the show about how kids sometimes get a, a, a bad rap. And I think this is a, another time to point out how teenagers and youngsters of all ages really do such a great job with their etiquette. So I just wanted to give that shout out. Thanks so much. Bye. Amanda, if my mother were here, she would be giving you a virtual high five right now. One of her favorite themes is how kids get such a bad rap, and they really are such a joy, such a pleasure, such a treat. Ha, 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 ha. I also had a very similar experience this year. I was out with Anisha, and it was her first trick-or-treat where she had any kind of interaction with people at the door. And it was a cold, wet, rainy day. And we would walk up to the door, and she would say, I want to go inside. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing a Halloween experience where the etiquette wasn't what was frightening. Thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone who sent us something. You can send us questions, comments, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm at Lizzie A. Post. That's Lizzie with an I-E. And I'm at Daniel underscore Post. On Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette as well as the Emily Post Institute. Please consider helping us out by becoming a sustaining member. You do this by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And if you do, think about leaving us a review. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and our assistant producer is Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris. Chris and Bridget. Thanks, Bridget. Thanks, Bridget.